1: Welcome back, everybody, to Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. I'm Ray Sidney Smith. And I'm Augusto Pinot. I'm Francis Wade. And I'm Mark Elwix. Welcome, gentlemen, and welcome to our listeners to this episode of Productivity Cast. And we are in uncertain times, to say the least. We are... In the midst of a global pandemic, and what we can do as a, as a group, as a team here, is to help people in the best way we know possible, which is to help you all be more productive in this environment. We are all working either as an essential professional and out there working, uh, and so things are maybe a little bit more stressful. But for the rest of us who are working now remotely and working from home, the situation may be different or at least exaggerated in the sense that or, or focused in the sense that now we are working from home maybe all the time as opposed to maybe choosing to work from home on occasion. And what I wanted to do is for us to have a discussion about the the four kind of fundamental areas of working from anywhere Uh, But primarily here today, working from home, which is really mindset, skills, strategies and tools, the technology that we all use to be more productive in this environment. So let's start off with a conversation about mindset and we can we can get into the particulars of of the rest as we make our way along. I wanted to start off with just a discussion about as you approach working from home, you may have been working from home for several weeks now you may just have been forced to start working from home no matter where you are in the process you need to uh, consider environment as a as a fundamental component of how you will make yourself more productive and so if your environment is not set up currently for you to be able to work well then you will struggle so much more than if your environment was set up for working in as similar, or maybe even better than your circumstance when you were in a an office environment or whatever
2: type of environment you worked before? I think there's a number of people, a number of managers, let's start there, who are quaking in their boots because they know that there's certain there are certain people who work for them, certain employees, who in their minds are unable to manage themselves, and they've been... I hate to say carrying, but they've been micromanaging them for years, and the environment that they they've especially created an environment around some folks who are not productive and not self directed uh, by giving them nudges and giving them their own cubicle and walking by every morning and walking by again at lunchtime and walking by again at five and sending them emails every hour and. There's that subset of employees who aren't able to cope on their own and the managers know it. And they, I suspect, are quaking in their boots because as they go home, these employees, the managers realize that the carefully crafted environment they've created to have these people be minimally productive is now gonna go away and it's gonna be replaced by nothing. And ideally, if we had more time, the manager could Let's create a new word. Offboard. They could offboard the employee one step at a time, so that they could re- retain their productivity. It could take a year to train someone to be productive when they don't have all of these nudges around them. Um, There's some managers I've met who tell me they love the open office environment because they can keep an eye on people, which implies that to offboard someone like that who you need to keep an eye on, that takes a while, and you, you got to set up alternate ways of somehow nudging the person towards productivity uh, so i think this is this is going to be devastating for some managers and some employees in terms of them being productive they uh, they come to work to be productive and they've never had a, played a hand in creating an environment uh in which they're productive in other words they weren't the ones who set up their own environment somebody did it for them and when that person and the environment both disappear I suspect there are some people who are just going to simply flounder.
0: It is, you know, at at this point after you know almost 15 years working from home, it is really easy to say, well, you know, this is how my environment works. But the reality is that it took some time at the beginning of a lot of errors and failure and, and a lot of pressure. You know, there is going to be some pressure that are going to come with this process regarding Getting things set up, understanding what needs to be set up, understanding what you need. As Francis was saying, you know, you are at the office, and this is what you get, and figure it out. Now that you are coming home, you may have the ability to add another component, or you may have even less resources than what you had at the office. You know, we were laughing at the beginning of on the pre-show. As I was trying to, to print. I don't print. My world is digital, and my kid is working, is you know, is doing homeschooling. So I needed to print some stuff. So there was some dusting that needed to be done to an old ink jank printer. Okay. Well, that's going to happen to people. Okay. There is not any more color laser thing that will print those 52 pages to read. Now you may need to read it in the screen. And All those changes are coming. So it is important to keep in mind, in your mind, in the top of your mind, that there are two things that are going to change. One, how you do things. And you need to pay attention what it is in two senses. Number one is what's bothering you. Okay, Out of all this situation, what is bothering you? There are things that you're going to be able to affect and change. And there are things that you are not. So focus on the ones that you can, because if you can print on that, you know, 50 pages per second laser printer, then don't be bothered about it. Don't be frustrated about it. There is nothing you can do until you can get back to the office. Okay? The other element is now you need to start looking how you're going to show performance. You know, one of the things when you are in the office is people can walk, see that you are working, see that you're busy, see that you're on the phone. And now that you are working from home, nobody will walk into where you are. So you need to find a way to show that performance. You know, I've been recommending a couple of managers get a one-on-one, okay? Five minutes at the end of the day, beginning of the day, five minutes at the end of the day, and help people to get, that show that performance hey we plan at the end of the day we are going to do a b and c at the end of the day we did a b c and d and that way you as a manager help two parts help people having that if they need that notch and second giving them at the end of the day a story of success the third part is if you were bothered by distractions at the office, and the distractions really break your concentration at work. If you have family, husband, wife, significant other at home, family, all that distractions are going to tenfold. So you need to find quickly a way to get back into this. Uh, Years ago, I recommend having a notepad. So you write down when you get distracted, you know, what is what that you were doing, because otherwise your day is going to go and disappear after 10 distractions.
1: Uh, I think you're, you're making some really uh, great points here, gentlemen. And I think that there are two pieces fundamentally here. One is how you do your work and, and the environment in which you do it. And I just want to put a fine point on this so that we're all kind of clear here. Creating an environment that supports your productivity is very different f- when you are working from home for all of the reasons that were just noted and, and many more. The and, and it really does take some stepping back a moment and spending the time, and that could be 15 minutes, it could be a few hours, uh, of making your space optimal for being productive because it's going to make you that much more productive when we get to the second component, which is how are you currently being paid? Those who are hourly versus those who are salaried have a very different perspective in terms of how they're paid for their own productivity. And I have this fundamental belief that we are going to see a market change in how people address performance-based positions just all, all across the board. Uh, as Francis noted, there are people who maybe have been getting a lot of uh, handicapping uh, on both sides of it. People who are being micromanaged, and those folks who are being uh, crutched, you know, supported by virtue of the fact that a manager is giving them all of these prompts all the time. And from my perspective, the the real goal here is to be able to help people. Be the most productive they can, if you're managing people, that is, but let's just stick to managing ourselves. We want to create an environment and have a mindset that allows us to be most productive wherever we are. And this whole notion of being paid by the hour is going to be remarkably limelighted by virtue of the fact that now managers and employers are not going to see their employees filling up space because once upon a time, filling up space was the way we knew people were working. Now we don't. So what happens when that person disappears from view, you're still paying them a salary, and nothing is actually happening that's important to you as the business owner or as the manager? You're not gonna find that person to be as much value. And so how do you, as an employee, as a professional, potentially even as an executive in your company, show your performance has value. And that's the real key here. Your mindset is to figure out how in this environment do you show value so that we're we're potentially coming upon economic recession, potentially worse than that. As we start to see the world kind of crumble around in certain ways, how do we shore up our own legitimacy and our own value uh, to the organizations that we that we are uh, working for and I think that's going to be really really important for everybody so spending a little bit of time up front really helps you understand how to show value on the back end and potentially save a career save a job uh, you know and and stay gainfully
3: um, productive in society I want to bolt something on the back end of what you just brought up. Working from home is great when you are able to do it voluntarily. It's difficult when, you're, when you have to do it mandatorily because you're not ready for that transition. Uh, the idea of evaluation criteria and the workplace changing to a more outcome driven focus rather than time execution focus is a great idea. I'm going to throw cold water on it. It's not going to happen anytime soon until management finally decides to change their metrics because that's what drives all of this is as as a person with direct reports, I know the evaluation criteria is still around. Are they getting X number of hours in each week? That's not going to change anytime soon because that's tied to accounting processes. That's tied to billing processes. And until all of that sea change happens in the background, we're going to be dealing with this 19th century mindset of working in this 21st century working from home world. So as a manager, I have to push up as well as taking people and pulling them up and getting them to understand things like, it's not a matter of how many hours you're putting in. It's a matter of accomplishing the tasks at hand. But that said, you still have to get your timesheet in so we can bill for the 40 hours. It's, it's not there yet. I'm not seeing the light bulb going on. I have high hopes for it. But those of us who who can influence this thinking have to make it a priority. If we want this to change, we have got to push for new metrics and new ways of establishing quality of work versus quantity of work.
1: I wanted to just give a little bit of, of final accent to the notion of environment and that is making sure that you are helping to control uh, certain types of distractions, both external and internal. Augusto mentioned the external, distractions of working at home with family members spouses and children pets and and otherwise I just recently saw a uh, a video on Twitter where uh, an unfortunate circumstance you know these these uh, professionals were meeting and I will put uh, a I'll embed this in the show notes you can watch it yourself but <laughs> the the person uh, went to the bathroom and uh, didn't just I guess forgot that uh, she was on camera and put the laptop on the floor and there she is, you know, pulling her pants down and sitting on the toilet. Finally realizing that she could be seen by the other participants, quickly tosses the lapso- laptop aside and shuts it. And so I just think that if you are if you are working from home right now you need to pay attention to when you are by audio or video being seen or recorded. So that's number one. So just like from a privacy perspective uh, but also just a professionalism perspective, you know, I'm, I'm seeing lots of people's bedrooms. Now I'm seeing lots of people's homes and you know, at least what's in the camera view needs to be presentable and professional uh, because that's just a reality. This is a special circumstance, so there's some latitude there. But it's just important that you represent yourself just like you would at work uh, professionally. So dressing professionally and being in an environment that doesn't look like it's your children's bedroom is probably a good idea. But also, the second is that you are um, not putting yourself into a position where you are not letting others know that they can be seen so, if you are in a management position, it's really important for you to tell people, "Hey, when you're meeting with clients, you know maybe your children shouldn't be in view, uh, in in the camera. You know, again with latitude or whatever. Um, I've seen a lot of people's dogs and cats. You know, <laughs> um, it's become a thing where people are showing their dogs and cats. Uh, you know, while they're in the meetings. But be aware that you know meeting with clients." Uh, these things can happen that are not things that would normally happen you don't carry your laptop into the into the office bathroom you know and sit down in the in the stall uh, so be mindful of those things and communicate that to everyone you're working with so that they don't have those embarrassing moments uh, because they will happen and a lot of it will happen and you just don't want it happening to you or the people who are who you're working with uh, so I just wanted to uh, highlight that as well. Um, okay. Moving right along, I wanted to have a conversation about the skills that people can develop for, for working from home in this age of the novel coronavirus and COVID-19. What are things that people can do to really jumpstart their productivity in the skills space?
0: Working from home sounds nice. Oh, well, great. I will not need to dress up. I will not need to, to wear pants or shoes. or and And, and it sounds... Awesome, except that that affect what we were talking before the mindset and affect how people will look because as as you were described with this case, you get used to be on the camera, you get used to see the camera naturally. You don't as at the beginning you are completely conscious of the fact that you are on a video conference. You lose that part. So as you get used to, it is important to go and dressed up and. And have that "quote-unquote" professional attire that you are wearing. That you, you know, that if you wear if you wear a tie, fine. If you want to lose the tie, lose the tie. Keep the shirt, but but don't go, you know, all Sunday morning. I'm not going anywhere. Pajama day kind of attire to work. Uh, Also, you don't know when you know you need to jump. I, as a person who's been working from home for over 15 years, I have here in my office a shirt and a tie. So I don't know when the next meeting will require me to have a shirt and a tie, and sometimes it does. So you need to be able to adapt. I don't work on a shirt and a tie, but sometimes the meetings require that I be that way. So that part is important. And the other part is self-care. You know, make sure you are keeping the... as close as you can, the routine of self-care that you were doing before. If you were a person who do exercise, well, find a way to do exercise. Find a way to get these things. Find a way to create routines. Make sure that you don't let the day run over you. You know, Working from home, it is hard for people to make the distinction between I'm at home and I'm at work, uh, especially when you enjoy work. So make sure that you are somehow making those things happen and planning around. One of the beautiful things of working at home is you can get used to the little five minute increments. But the secret with that is you need to plan what you are going to do because otherwise the time will run over you. You know, yes, many people who work at home can put a laundry, you know, well, Well, they're switching from meeting to meeting, but the only way that's going to happen is when that's planned. If you wait for that five minutes to start thinking about it, it's never going to happen. So there is a lot more pre-planning that is required to be at home. Part of those skills, you need to sharpen that skill of pre-planning in order to really be able to get more out of your day. Time
2: blocking in general is a technique that is most necessary when anyone experiences a spike in the demands on their time. And most people go into work each day. The average person goes into work each day having enough uh, discretionary time, so unblocked time in their calendar, that they can kind of just you know, do I do I sit in a meeting. If I sit in a meeting, I do, do nothing. If I sit at my desk, I could work on one of three things. So they have like four choices. Or maybe I could go to lunch, but that's more like time off. But I have a choice of one of four things to do. All of a sudden, working from home, there's a choice of a hundred. Do I play with the kids? Do I check my social network? Do I read the newspaper? Do I take 10 minutes off? Do I go exercise? Do I go shopping for food that we need? Do I call my friends to see if they're okay? Do I check in on my mom? And so on and so forth. So all of a sudden there's 100. And the skills required to manage 100 demands in your time are very different than four. And the environment, there's no boss around. The environment doesn't lend itself to telling you what's important. You know, each, in some companies, each activity is driven by the latest emergency. And the latest emergency is communicated by the boss walking around and saying, hey, what are you working on? You need to drop that work on this instead. And that's where you get your directions from. So all of a sudden the boss isn't there. They're, they're now remote or they're trying to do it by email or they're they've just checked out altogether. So the choice of what to work on next and then next, and then next. Or rather, the choice of what to spend the next time slot on and how long that time slot should be and how high a priority it should be and how it should be balanced with downtime because you can't just work all the way through. All of a sudden, it's a complex choice. And I suspect that without time blocking, most people will flounder. In other words, they'll just lurch from one impulse to the next, or one emergency to the next, or one activity to the next that's inspiring, or fun, or easy, or or emergent, or whatever criteria they use. But they'll find themselves just zigging and zagging from one thing to the next. Time blocking is meant for this kind of purpose, when all of a sudden there's an increase in the demands in your time, and you have very little discretionary time. And the basic idea is that you you spend time each day or each each time period uh, blocking out time for specific activities. So you pre-plan exactly how the day is going to go, even if it doesn't actually end up going that day. The planning is all important because at least it, it, it codifies your intent and it, it puts in front of you your ideal outcome. So at least you're in the zone of Knowing what you want, even if you may not ever have it perfectly any given day, you at least know what you want. And so it's it, it's a perfect solution for those who all of a sudden are thrown into this situation. And you know what? It may be temporary. There's there was, During the the, the the recent time blocking summit, one of the points that was made is that it's not a permanent solution. It's not meant to be a permanent solution, necessarily. It could be a temporary seasonal Uh, tactic that you use. And I think this is a season, if you're going to spend three months at home all of a sudden, and it's brand new time, that time blocking is a great solution for the next three months. And then when you get back to the office, you can go right back to having the boss tell you what to do or the situation determine what you're working on next. But in this situation, it's probably the best technique to use to avoid just running in circles.
3: Well, I... I have to totally agree with the idea of the time blocking piece, but for a different reason. I mean, we need to allocate time to work, but we also need to remember that there are points we have to stop. This is a unique type of situation where typically when you work from home, you know that you're, you have something else going on. There's some other activity you're going to have to go to. There's soccer practice. There's who knows what. Some other thing that's going to take you away from the work. And that's what, honestly, that's what a lot of managers are worried about is you're going to go to that other thing rather than doing your work. Well, in many cases right now, there is no other thing. There's no other place to go. There's no store to go to, no restaurant, new movie theater. That's just not an option. So it can happen easily, and it can be insidious where that time that you spend working continues to expand to fill the available time and you start to increase the stress on yourself because you unconsciously have now gone from an eight hour day to a 10 hour day to a 12 hour day, just because that time's there. So time blocking helps you keep the information or the time organized, but it also allows you to put guardrails around it to keep it from spanning and filling everything up. Uh, one of the things that i think everybody needs to also make a mental note and this is this is a significant mental health issue when it comes to working from home there's a period of desocialization that happens as soon as you transition from a regular office work environment to a home work environment or an isolated environment you're used to things like go back to the old fr- old school phrase the water cooler talk being able to lean back in your chair and chat with your coworker for 30 seconds, a minute. That mental break, that kind of step away and step back in is important for mental health. Well, guess what? That's gone. There's a point where the cat is tired of listening to you. There's a point where the dog is going to walk off. Your kids really don't care about that TPS report. So you've got to maintain that level of connection with the coworkers that you normally interact with. And it's going to be harder now because you need to do it through virtual technologies, but it's important that you do that. If you can't, I'm a big advocate for journaling. I think everybody who works from home or works in an isolated environment should have a journal on their desk with them at all times, not to take meeting notes, not to set up to-do lists, but to be able to, this is going to sound funny, talk to themselves or talk to the journal. Things that they capture, that little moment of venting that you need to have after you read the, the eighth email on the same topic and nobody seems to come to a consensus. You can't just lean back in your chair and say, you know, do you believe this nonsense? You have to put it somewhere, get it out of your head and free up that headspace. Well, the journaling aspect of this can be hugely beneficial for that. You don't need to keep it. You just need to get it out of your head. And finally, don't hide behind email. We've got this old school technology that everybody lives on. They send an email, they send it to mass distribution now, which seems to be even more common when people are working remotely because we're afraid somebody might get left out. Look at the technologies that you have. Uh, Microsoft Teams has gone to 44 million daily average users with this shift because of the virus. Taking advantage of the tools to be able to put your thoughts out into a common area, like a post section in a channel in a team, instead of pummeling everybody with emails and the responding emails and back and forth, it is more equivalent to the natural way we interact with people than the mechanical way we're used to doing it through things like email. Look at what you have available from a technology standpoint. Look at your tools and figure out the best way to use them. Don't spend your time sitting and griping and saying, but I don't have the fancy whiteboard I had at work, but I don't have the meeting conference room that I had at work. No, you don't. Welcome to the world of working from home. You have exactly what you've paid for or been supplied. And you're going to have to use that limited set of Legos to do all the different projects that you're now being given. This is your opportunity to be creative. Yes, it can be stress-inducing if you're used to being the person who turns a widget, or turns a a gear, rather. You're going to go to your workbench, your tools are going to be supplied for you, you're going to do your things, and then you're going to go home. Well, that's tough if you're not in control of that, or you're used to someone else being in control of that. Now you are responsible for it. So you have to look at that and you have to take ownership of that. And again, this is where I'll go back to the journaling part. That can be one of the most frustrating, stressful things about this whole environment is who do I talk to? Who do I reach out to to say, I have no idea where to start to get this stuff organized so I can get it done. Nobody ever told me how to do this. Nobody ever taught me how to do this. No, you're right. Nobody has. This is your, your chance, and the necessity of the environment is going to compel you to learn how to do this. So, and like Race or like um, Francis said earlier, connect to your social network. Social networking in the workspace is, is just a terrible term. They, they look at it as a waste of time. This is probably the most valuable asset you have available because these are the brains that you can't just lean back in your chair to anymore. So using social networking tools inside your organization, tools like Yammer, leveraging your community in LinkedIn, build a community for once, have these professionals, have other colleagues that you can reach out to and talk to, use your tools like Teams, It reestablish those connections. Not only is that going to save your bacon working from home, but when you actually go back into the work environment, well, that network is going to follow you along. Yeah, there's
1: a couple of comments I have relating to what Art's talking about here. I think that self-care is so important in this environment. And just kind of two points that come to mind. One is segmenting the non-work-related conversations from the work conversations. And in these types of social networking software that are out there like Yammer and and otherwise, uh, you could potentially create a completely independent one or connect with colleagues on traditional uh, consumer-based social networking platforms like Facebook and Twitter, and, and so on and so forth, Instagram, and and and, the, and and the others, and that way, your conversation that is not directly related to work is not caught up in the uh, company and the enterprise, uh, you know, IT uh, data. You know, you, you don't want those two mixed necessarily, uh, and I know I don't. Um, so, you know, for those who are fairly privacy-minded, as I am segmenting those can be really good. And it gives you an opportunity to have a digital water cooler environment, which is to know the context of what you're talking to a colleague about is appropriate in that environment. So if I'm communicating, this is one of the big reasons why I don't really connect with business or uh, professional folks via Facebook, because I know that when I'm on Facebook, while I don't use it that often, it is not for anything other than personal interaction with family and friends. When I'm there, I can interact with family and friends in the way that I know I interact with my family and friends. I'm not, I don't have to worry about the other contexts when I'm in that space. So I like the idea of be, being, being able to have that water cooler environment and, and making that a dedicated space for folks. If it doesn't exist, create it. I, I think that it's one of those things where we are in, uh, I keep hearing this wartime analogy. Uh, we're in this battle against this invisible opponent. And it's imperative upon each of us to take up the mantle of leadership where we can. And this is an opportunity for us to be able to help everyone in our organization have a space where we can be social and build camaraderie where we may not have had it before. And so this could actually be really wonderful for the organization on the flip side of this, which is that when things do go back to a normative working order and we are able to go back to the office, now we have a space where we can be uh, you know social and otherwise and it's more productive because it's facilitated both by in-person and uh, you know uh, digital means so I think that with all things social networking they should improve they should they should affect our offline lives um, anything that is completely digital um, ultimately for humans at least is not productive it's it's unproductive if it's not actually uh, helping, what we call IRL in real life. If it doesn't have an IRL impact, then it's not useful. So what we need to really do is think about social networking as facilitating this future IRL impact. And that can be really powerful on the other side of this crisis. The second item I wanted to talk about is the ability to create uh, peer accountability. And in this environment where you can, you can, in essence, partner up with someone else at the at the at the company that you're working for or a colleague that doesn't work for your company, and you can create this level of peer accountability. You can then get more done in an, a social environment that is digital. And so that might mean just touching base with that that person on a regular basis throughout the workday and just creating a way in which you Let them know what you're working on, not the particulars, but like, okay, I have a meeting at one o'clock. I've got a, I've got a project due at five o'clock. These are the things I'm going to do to get that done. And that level of accountability really helps you step up your own game. It helps them step up their game and it creates this, uh, this social pact that helps you be more productive while you're not feeling isolated from the rest of the work team. So I really believe in peer accountability to be a, a very strong component here for those who do feel like they're not capable of getting the work that they need done because they're working in a vacuum.
0: And it is important that you understand that you may not be alone in this. So you may have an idea how to do this self cares and these basics, but your other half, or your better half, or even your kids may not. It is important you know i one of the challenges that i have been looking you know on social media and and friends is the kids are driving me nuts okay and the that message changed and it is and we need to remember that for the kids staying at home usually is a snow day or a vacation or something like that and we are now asking them That they do the work that they do at school or the work that they send them or they do the homeschooling. So we need to also stop for a moment and plan that for them. They may or may not, depending on the age of your kids, have that. And they may fight it for a while. So that is important. Same thing with your with your partner or your spouse okay they may be better or worse at that self-care so you need to figure it out what you are going to do one of the things we are doing right now and i recommend this to everybody is we are sharing what are the open space on the calendar so we try to get together even if it's you know for that family water cooler but Make that happen. This is tough not only on you. This is tough on everybody. Unless everybody has worked from home, including the kids, okay? This is tough for everybody. Everybody's missing their routine, missing their salad at lunch, missing, you know, the ability to walk around downtown. So understand this is not only challenging for you. It's challenging for everybody. So you need to find a way to disconnect a little bit from, from the own concerns you have and see and ask because you may not be able to have the answer. Easier to see a tiny thing on the eye of another person that is still right on your own eye. So use that to your advantage. Sit with that person and ask, what can I do? I'm stressed out. What can I do? What do, you, what, what do I normally do to help me to disconnect and to recharge? Help me with, with this. And same thing with with the other parts. So that way you can move forward much faster. You know, Again, make a list of every resource that you think you may or not have and the resources that you don't have and sit with that other person. Sit, connect with your friends. By the time this gets released i I'm, we're moving and we move to the new home so there is now a new set of challenges okay i used to have a pl- quiet place to record and now i have an office but every little sound on the house reflects on the office until that gets fixed so work with the people people need to know hey i need to be quiet between this time i i'm going to be open you know to have a kitchen meeting if you can have that kitchen space for meetings or we need to sit on when we sit on this table we need to work done this is a time where assumptions need to be minimized to the maximum people don't understand that you are on a conference call unless you let them know most people is not trained to work at home so and or you can have be in an environment like ours where we're mixed. I've been working from home for many years, but my wife and the kids have not. So that part is important that you help them to, to with the tools. Help share the information that is needed. Don't make assumptions that because you know, the other person know. Give them the tools. Share the tools.
1: Yeah, and I would say that about the rest of your organization as well share this podcast episode. let people know about the fact that there are skills strategies tools mindset out there that they can use to be able to be more productive and don't assume that other people just know this stuff uh, you know there there is a there's a a huge dearth of knowledge in this space for people because most people from the vast you know, majority of their careers have gotten up and gone to work and come home. And there was a natural uh, order of things in that sense. And that that is being upset here. And, uh, and, and can be very disruptive for folks. And I would say that to reach out to people who you know, may be struggling in that capacity, especially in this time, in these times, because they may be feeling isolated themselves. And this is just a good time to, um, you know, to reach out a hand to someone in need who may need your help, and that will help them not just be more productive, but also be a better colleague, have better social relations with the people who you spend most of your life with. You know, if you, if you are a, a working adult, you're going to spend most of your working adulthood with these people, uh, and uh, and it just makes sense to have a good relationship with those, and why not use this opportunity as a time to strengthen those relationships? Okay, so I want to quickly have a conversation about the tools and technology that we use to be productive in this working-from-home environment. Uh, you know, there are the, the basics, which is having a broadband internet connection and a computer and phone and so on and so forth. But I wanted to just... I, I we There's a lot of discussion in the media today about video meeting technology, and I wanted to make the point just so that we're all clear that video meeting technology like Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Google Meet, and otherwise are not the only remote working technologies in the world. You have synchronous and asynchronous communications in a company, and it's really imperative that we have good technology to satisfy both of those. Picking up the phone and having a phone conversation can be the best synchronous communication technology when it it suits you. So don't think that everything has to be a video meeting. Uh, one, because it's probably going to overtax the the internet broadband system we have in this country at some point anyway, and people are going to have suboptimal experiences when internet connections are, are intermittent. So be mindful of that. Uh, so when you don't have to be having a video meeting, don't. Uh, and so so I, I'm, I'm just like, I hear a lot of people saying, oh, well, video meeting technology is just going to solve all of the problems of remote working and working from home. (laughs) And I just don't believe that that that's true. The other side to this is that beyond the basics of video meeting technology and the snafus that we talked about earlier of, you know, being on camera when you don't realize it, what are some of the things people can do to what are some of the tools that you use and that people can use to be more productive in this working
3: from home environment. When it comes to unique tools, ways to actually accomplish things, I think you're right. You've got to split it into two groups. Those synchronous tools where you're actually having to interact with somebody directly uh, and the asynchronous ones. And I think the asynchronous ones are actually where people fall flat more than they would like to admit. Uh, The asynchronous tool that everybody falls back on is email. I'm going to send an email. I'm going to send an email. And I'm I'm looking at a thread right now that's about 12 emails deep. And that entire thing could be done in one threaded discussion in a tool designed for threaded discussions. So I don't even know it's a matter of a specific technology recommendation because unless it's web-based, if it requires physical assets, those physical assets may be difficult to acquire right now. If it's going to be something like a recording-based system, you may have a hard time getting a good microphone and headset to be able to do that right now because it takes a month to get anything from Amazon right now unless it's toilet paper or something like that. But if we look at taking the tools that we have and rethinking around things like asynchronous communication and the fact that not everybody is at their desk simultaneously, can we change our approach to leverage those kinds of tools? So, for example, I'm looking at a the email thread right now and redesigning this email thread as it would be best served in one of these asynchronous tools. In this case, it's Teams. But there isn't, I don't know that there's a specific winner in the tech space. Uh, Zoom certainly seems to be getting a lot of traction right now. Uh, it has a free initial offering, which is very nice. Uh, A lot of the schools have switched over to using it. They're using it for classwork. Again, great thing. I hope it scales. I hope they're highly successful. But I don't want to hang my hat on any specific technology. I think we need to shift our mentality around whatever technology we've got, can we use it better? The answer is almost always yes. The real question is how.
0: It is also important, depending where you are, you may be lockdown and technology. But also, you have now different ways to use the device. And a lot of these conversations are going to be asynchronous. Remember, as you are having your own cows at home, dealing with people, getting your kids to homeschooling, helping your significant other, also the other people are too. So, Remember you know that what may have been a quick two minute answer in the past may now be a ten minute answer because the person people need to you know get back, read it, think about it before they can even answer you so that is also important to to take into consideration in this day. so some of those communications are going to slow down. It was really easy to walk to lucy's down the hall to get that done, and Lucy may have done it with you and never told you that she's not the person who do that because she knows how to do it, and now you need to go to the proper channel, okay? So, think on all those things, and as remember also that a lot of the infrastructure is not designed for everybody working at home, okay? Offices has much, much larger bandwidth, okay, much better, tools than what a lot of people have at home you know so you need to have also that patience with the technology with what is happening with how things are happening so that way the things end up the best possible
2: i think the number one tool that people will need to manage is quiet not not quite a physical tool but they'll discover that when they can work in an uninterrupted way that they can be way more productive than if they are subject to distractions the way they could be in the regular office which has an open office plan. I I think this is about part of the success of working at home is about preservation of your uh, focus and quiet is a big contributor to that. It's a big tool to preserve your focus. So in other words, what could take two hours in the office could take an hour, an hour and a half if you're work, working in a focused way at home. Uh, but the, the, the thing to learn, I guess, is as you make this transition is that you need to be very mindful and very careful and you need to let people know, and you need to close the door, you need to have a door, you need to to be able to cut off cut off all distractions, turn off phones so that you can work in this monk-like, very focused mode because time is now of the essence. And whereas, you know, you could fool around for two, three hours in the office and no one, it doesn't really cost you anything to take that extra hour, hour and a half. At home, time is way more precious and you may only have, let's say, between you get up early at five o'clock. Between five and six thirty could be your most productive time, just because no one else is up, and it's really quiet, and the phones aren't ringing, and there's no one demanding or asking anything of you. And having that be your most productive time to work could be a tactic to take. But once again, be, you've got to be very mindful about managing the quiet, the removal of the distractions, the the Uh, managing the interruptions. So it's a different way of thinking. And I think for many people, as they make the transition, it's going to be tough because they've not had to construct, they've not had to think about uh, when am I at my most, most productive? How do I make sure I have all the tools and resources available to me? How do I manage my own mind? Basically, without any kind of training and without warning, they've been thrown into an environment where they... I imagine it's going to be sink or swim. And before the call, we talked about the fact that we suspect that once, you know, three months time, people go back into the office, that there are some people who are, their companies, I think, are going to look at them and say, well, for three months, we kind of did without you. (laughs) We We didn't really do anything while you were away. And we suspect that you're not, you're no longer really needed. I suspect that that conversation is going to happen, and it's going to not, not, not be pretty in some cases, uh, but I think it's a, the, the reality will really come to roost because this is so disruptive, and it forces managers and executives to look at really what's core, what's required, and what's essential for the first time in probably years.
1: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, and I think that there's a couple of things that I just wanted to point out in terms of technologies that I think are useful to people just in the, the immediate term. One is if you're thinking about uh, focus, there's a tool called brain.fm. It uses some really powerful audio technology to be able to help you do a whole bunch of different modality type work, focus relaxing and otherwise. Uh, so brain.fm. I'll put the links to all of these in the show notes. Two is having some kind of place or repository for what you're working on. And those of you who are probably listening to this are pretty well appointed with productivity software, but I think Trello is a great one that's collaborative and capable of helping you manage in a visual space, uh, not necessarily even thinking Kanban or personal Kanban, but just having an immediate space where you can collect details and have threaded conversations with folks and those kinds of things based on cards. Um, then uh, just on a like a privacy perspective, most people don't think about their home environment and data privacy and data security. You should probably get a VPN. And uh, just because if you are going to work from anywhere outside of the corporate enterprise. And if it doesn't provide a VPN to remote into your office, you have some options there. One is using some kind of remote desktop protocol. And so talking to your, you know, whoever manages that for your company, uh, obviously there is the, not obviously, but there is Chrome remote desktop, which is a very powerful tool that Google provides for free. You install it on your work computer, and then you can access your work computer from, your home. And so therefore you are, you're capable of, in essence, rooting into your device at work. So you don't have to install all of the software that you have at work on a home device. And there's the licensing problems and all of those other things. So if you're in that kind of, of challenge right now, as you're transitioning, that may be an option. Install that at the at work uh, with the right approvals if you need them. And then, and if you work for yourself, then you can just do it anyway. And and that way, you can now, in essence, connect to your work network and log in. You do have to have the computer on and active in both places: the one that you're trying to access and yours, in order to be able to do that with good internet. So be be mindful of that. Um, but a VPN, I think, is just good practice all around. Uh, Your ISP is likely collecting lots of data about you, which means that if you're doing any level of work, they're collecting data about your company and your clients, uh, if you have clients. Um, And so you just don't want that. You don't want the potential extra data security problem. And this coronavirus... Uh, crisis has has spurred a whole bunch of new malware and other types of cyber attacks. And uh, people are going to prey on you from working from home. And so one thing you can do, not the only thing, but the one thing you can do uh, that I think is helpful is setting up a VPN uh, because it can do some things that can block malware malefactors, uh, bad actors in um, attacking you. So I use a a service called Private Tunnel. Uh, It's actually run by the OpenVPN folks and uh, pretty affordable. Uh, It gives you the ability to go ahead and uh, in essence, connect and encrypt your data between you and where you're trying to connect out there on the internet. Very, very helpful for just being able to put, you know, it's not the end all be all in terms of security, but it's at least one step in that direction. So uh, with that, we hope that we've given you all a good kind of overview in terms of the things we can all do to get started in working from home more productively in this age of the novel coronavirus and COVID-19. And we wish you all the best of luck in personal productivity. And so uh, just a couple things before we close out. As always, uh, if you have a question or comment about this cast, you want to add another resource, or uh, you have a question about working from home, feel free to jump over to the podcast website uh, there at the bottom of the page. For that episode, you can leave a comment or a question, and we'll be glad to respond. Uh, We'll have links to all of the items we talked about there in the show notes, so you can just click on them and jump to those items. We also have a transcript uh, both a PDF and a text-based transcript. so you can uh, scan through and see if you uh, miss something, you can you can jump to it in the conversation. If you have another question about personal productivity, uh, feel free to visit productivitycast.net forward slash contact. And there you can record an audio message for us, or you can type a message and send that over to us, and we'll be happy to uh, review it. And maybe we'll make that a part of a future episode uh, to discuss. Uh, thank you to Augusta Pinaud, Francis Wade, and Art Gelwicks for joining me here on this cast. If you can, leave a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Uh, it just helps us know that we're doing the right things in the right ways at the right time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it also helps us grow our personal pr- productivity listening community. And so thank you for doing that. Uh, that brings us to the close of this episode of Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things personal productivity. Uh, stay safe out there and uh, we'll see you next time. Take care, everybody.
0: That's it for this Productivity Cast, the weekly show about all things productivity with your hosts, Ray Sidney Smith and Augusto Penaud, with Francis Wade and Art Gelwicks.